Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. George Norrie back with you along with Sarah Grace as we talk about her work journey into Grace. She is a paramedic, a psychic paramedic indeed. Sarah, do you remember the first episode, the first case where you came across a deceased body in an accident? What was that like for you? Yes, I do. And thank you again for the lovely welcome here. Um, I, so my career started in South Central L.A., and I worked in uh, Compton, Inglewood initially. And so we had a lot of trauma and gunshot wounds and car accidents. Oh, it's a tough area. Whatnot. <laughs> and the... Um, dealing with a car accident, there's a lot of logistics in general, you know, and it's interesting in a trauma death, a lot of times um, the the person is on their way to work, they're just going through their normal routine, whatever, and then boom, the next thing you know, you know, they're dead. And so we, or I would see, and, you know, now I know that there's quite a few first responders who are also sensing things on scene, and um, I would see the spirit of the person standing next to the body, and sometimes I would see like a celestial angel on scene if that person was in agonal respirations and not quite yet lifeless. That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Were they... It kind of tripped me out, because I honestly had no idea what to make of it, you know? And and of course, the other EMTs could not see this. Only you could. They couldn't see it. Um, come to find out, quite a few different people that I had worked with sensed it over time. But I have to tell you, George, because I was still so fearful of what I was seeing, and I had been told that it was, you know, that there was something wrong as a result. Um, I still wasn't willing to kind of come out. I wasn't willing to say anything about it. And as I've grown and as I've kind of like opened into all of this, the the energies just started working through me on those 911 calls. So I was, you know, actively able to help uh, thousands of people in different emergent situations and dynamics. And over time, uh, the fear went away because I was like, man, I don't know why I can see this. I don't know why I can feel this or I know what's going to happen before it does, but it's helping, you know? So how about I get educated with it? What is this anyway, you know? Sarah, looking at it from the soul's perspective, is there a difference between a traumatic death, you know, dying in a car accident, for example, suddenly, or, you know, a death where it's kind of prolonged and the human at the time knows he or she is going to die, but they just don't know when? Yes, there is a big difference between a traumatic death and a, and a medical and or expected death. So what I noticed is that in like a hospice scenario where somebody had like a long-term uh, end-stage disease process, their, their chakra system would just ever so slowly begin to unfurl. And it would start from the base of the spine and unravel up. And then eventually the soul passes out, either the chest, but more oftentimes the crown. And that person usually has days, if not hours, if not days, where the the veil is starting to thin. So they may see dead, you know, dead relatives greeting them, or they may see deceased pets and, and start to communicate with them. So it's, it's a very orderly kind of organized um, experience, mm-hmm. if you will. The trauma death, however, it's like, you know, um, you're in a body and then you're not. And what I witnessed was um, there's a state of shock that goes to the soul. 
And the souls that I saw often looked like the person that we was that we would be working on, but they were more translucent. And what I would witness, and this was a bit more difficult, especially before I understood what it was or why it was, but I would see the person in shock or disbelief or trying to claw at their body or get back into their body, which was obviously really disconcerting. Um, and so the trauma death, there's more of the shock, but I would see the celestials. I would see a lot more angelic frequencies uh, come in on those types of scenes, and I would see them do a bit of a debriefing, and it would take a matter of seconds, if not minutes, before I would witness the celestial and the soul of the person that we were working on merge into one and then disappear from view. Do all souls have uh, guardian angels and all human beings have guardian angels with them? I think that that's a great question, and I think a lot of them do. I wouldn't say that all people have. Um, I'm not necessarily super into the angelic realm um, in terms of what I do in my practice, and so I know that I have had a guardian angel that has helped me, and I've seen it on a lot with a lot of the clients that I've worked with, but I couldn't say that absolutely everybody does or does not. How often when you get to the scene of someone who has already passed, do you see the spirit of that individual kind of hanging around? So if it is um, a body that's been there for days or weeks, then the soul will have already crossed or transitioned more often than not. Um, if the body is, you know, if they are in the process of death or if they're still kind of warm and then we're going to do a CPR on them, I would often see the soul standing next to the body. Did that scare you originally in the beginning? Yeah, it totally tripped me out initially because I, you know, didn't know what I was seeing and I didn't know how to deal with it. And it just added, you know, being a, a highly clairvoyant, that's my primary is being able to see the energy, but I also feel everything very, very deeply. So it was, you know, running a 911 call anyway is intense, you know? And then adding that kind of... Um, full spectrum color and and the energy and the sensitization it was it was really overstimulating so yeah at what point does the psychic abilities kick in when you're on the call going when you get there at what point does it happen depending on the instance a lot of times when death was near my tell was that i would taste metal and I would start to feel as though my body was stuffed with cotton. So I would begin huh. to lose the, the sensation of where my energy field ended and the universe began. And so over, I mean, I was on the streets for almost 15 years in South Central L.A., then San Jose and Sacramento, 911, so it was busy, busy. And so I got to the point where these things started to just be, like, more routine. Um, and, yes, I... Uh, can you just remind me of, or can you bring that back around? Because I just lost that thread, George. Well, when you when when you get to the scene, does uh, it happen before you even get there, or yes, do you have you to be for in the, the scene? refresh on that? So I would have a tell. I'm glad time. I refreshed. <laughs> thank you for the refresh. Sometimes it would be before, um, and then oftentimes it was on scene. When what, which which of the, which of the two would be more uh, prevalent? Um. I would assume on scene. On scene, yes. I mean, if there was, because when we were, 
there's radio dispatch, and we could hear different calls going out. So if I was dispatched to, I was, I had a three-week-old SIDS call, and instantly I was activated and transported onto that, and then we arrived on the scene. But more often, yes, you're right. I think it would be when I arrived on scene, I'd be able to get you know the full logistics and energetics of it. Share with us one of your favorite stories, and then I'm going to ask you for a darker story that might have occurred. Oh, I've got so many. <laughs> um, would you like me to read a short excerpt from my book, or you just want me no, to... No, just talk. Just talk about it. Let's just talk about it. Yeah, talk about it. You know, I think one of my favorites all time was one of the ones that I ran first in the first couple of years when I was in L.A. And this woman had end-stage, whether it was... Um, it was an end-stage disease process. And we went to pick her up, and she was in her final hours. And she was so well put together, and she had the most beautiful embroidered hat, and she was just very demure and very calm. And there she glowed. It was incredible, George. She just glowed. And I was transporting her to hospice where she would not come back. But she was holding herself with what such grace, you know? So I put down my clipboard and I was like, I have to ask, like, this is incredible. You know, I see so many people that die or are preparing to die and they are, don't handle it like this. Like, and she just looked at me and she's like, I'm made of love. This is what she said. I'm made of love and I'm returning to love what is to be said. I love of. that. And I love that. Incredible. Yeah. Ah, just blew me out of the water. And I was only like a year or two in, and that was just, I don't know if I ever saw that. Um, Yeah, it was just so beautiful. What about a story that's a little darker? I'm going to have you dabble with the dark side for a moment. How dark do you want to go, George? (laughs) Really? Is it it that bad? Well, it's the 911 system. Yeah, yeah. that's true. You're going to get it all. It's the... It's the darkest aspect. Well, hit me with your shot. Go ahead. Well, you know, there was one. um, We, let's do the, I had a 17-year-old boy hang himself. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Those are sad, too. Those are sad. And, you know, dealing with the logistics of the family on scene is intense. And being in the room and seeing his, you know, Everything was as though it was a normal day. You know, there was clothes on the bed, and his computer was on with a game. There was a bag of Cheetos. Like, this is permanently... You wonder, what happened to him? What Right. What he was pushed him? Some, yeah, and we wouldn't know, right? But his body was hanging, and he was pulseless and apneic, and, and so we cut him down. But the thing that was really kind of upsetting for me was I could see his soul standing there and he was in such remorse and he was trying to again kind of get back into his body he didn't want to go did he He didn't want to go he knew that he had made a big mistake you know and so that was really challenging to deal with did they ever autopsy him i'm curious i wouldn't know yeah paramedics were kind of like the the first part of it and we don't necessarily get the follow-up on what happened nor i guess are you entitled to know right no there's hipaa and all kinds of stuff so we're we can't you know but I'm going to suspect that some kind of drugs might have been involved in his suicide. Potentially, yeah, potentially. Who knows? Family yeah. dynamic, dynamics, there's all kinds and of And a lot of pressures, too. Yeah, Social pressures. Sure. You know, I think there's a lot of people that are really hurting, and they may not have, and this is what I saw all the time in the 911 system, 
the bulk of the 911 calls are actually non-emergent. You know, I don't know that a lot of people know that. Even in the really busy systems, um, maybe 50%, uh, 60% are non-emergent. And, you know, people are lonely. People are isolated. People don't feel like they have help or... and. It can be really incredible, you know, what people are working with and dealing with. And we as paramedics, police, firefighters, detectives, you know, even ER doctors and nurses, like, I just love all of you guys, you know, because we deal with all of that stuff day in and day out. And we kind of get them into the system and we don't necessarily know what happens. Do you remember the movie Ghost with uh, Debbie Moore, uh, Patrick Swayze, and Whoopi Goldberg? Well, Whoopi, of course, played the part of Oda May, Mm -hmm. who was the medium, the channeler. Mm -hmm. Have you ever felt so bothered by these spirits, they don't leave you alone? Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yes. That was my whole upbringing. (laughs) Yeah, that was my whole upbringing where I would see, you know, different um, deceased people, um, and any more over time, I've gotten to understand how, like, personal power and choice work with these. Mm-hmm. My experience is pretty full-blown um, clairvoyance all the time. So the colors are pretty much always there for me. The feelings are pretty much always there for me. But any more, I choose whether or not I'm going to engage it. So if there's a spirit that wants to communicate with me, it's... I I take choice, you know, because... You have the ability to basically reject it. I do now, but I didn't when I, you know, didn't understand. I mean, would they be in your bedroom? Yes, they'd be in my bedroom. They would be, you know, if I just, I mean, anywhere. The restaurant, you go to Target in the bread aisle and you see a woman, you know, her dead grandma standing behind her. Can you tell uh, if, if a spirit is a human being who's alive or somebody who's dead when you just quickly look at them? I mean, are they enclosed and everything? Yes, because, again, it's more of a translucent. So it's just as though it's almost filmy. So they know? look ghostly. Not ghostly in the way of, you know, the spooky. It looks like a person that you can see through, is my experience. But you're, but you're convinced that's not a person. I can see through that thing. Right, but okay. then I can communicate, but I don't need my, you know, words. I can communicate telepathically, and then that's, you know, kind of... Which is probably better, because if you (laughs) start talking to something that nobody else sees... Right? Yeah. That's something. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.